Hey there, welcome to the Grace Rancho weekly podcast, where our goal is to help you, our church members, better understand the what and the why behind all we do here as a church. Eric, congratulations. We just did about six takes and Eric was yawning or saying something right when I started. It's a Wednesday afternoon. We made it through it. Uh, I'm here with Pastor Eric, of course. How's it going, everybody? We're recording our podcast. Yeah. And this week. Not very weekly anymore. Yeah, it's not very weekly. Uh, We're actually planning on changing the name because of that, but TBD there. Because we got to change it everywhere so that it looks the same as what gonna we say. You're going to leave people guessing? and No, we said it. We said like a month or two gonna ago. Try we're going to tune in every we're week. We're going to call it the is. Incremental Revival Podcast. We did say that before, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Old and, news. yep. So, sorry for the rambling. If you're still listening a minute in, today we're going to talk about our upcoming preaching schedule at Grace Rancho. Because, drum roll. This Sunday, you're finishing the Gospel of Mark. Yeah, it's been when since... Did you, when did you start it? January 2020, prior to COVID. Pretty remarkable. This this Mark series has brought us through all of the last two years plus, through the pandemic, through the unrest our nation experienced, through an election. And here we are coming to the very end, and we're going to conclude. Yes, we are. Actually, one of the neat things, I went and looked at the very first sermon manuscript I wrote for Mark. And in the beginning, I said, here's what I think that God's going to do for us through as we study Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. What did you say? I said things like, Jesus is going to show himself to be glorious. He's going to sanctify us. He's going to challenge us. He's going to make us holy. He's going to inspire us to live for him. And I look back at the last couple of years, I think he did all that. In many of our lives, um, so thankful. Actually, side note, this morning we had an elders meeting. Mark, Kent, and I were up early here at the church, and it was a member care meeting. We're praying through the members. And on the page that I had opened, there were, I think, four people who had been saved in our church in the last two to four years. That's amazing. And I just praise thought, God for that. Praise, praise the Lord. And then I I said that to them, like, isn't it amazing what God has done here? And then we were flipping through our membership directory, just reflecting and thanking the Lord for different men and women the Lord has either saved in the last few years or has radically transformed. There are some people in our church who are different people. They're not the same people today as they were a few years ago due to the transforming power of the grace of God. Praise God. It's amazing. That's why we preach the word. It right, is. Michael? Absolutely is. And the word does not return void. That's God's right. word works. Jesus is alive. That's what I'm going to be preaching. I was going to say, there you go. That's the end of Mark 16. He's risen. He has risen. He is not here. Uh, go tell the disciples. And at the end of this gospel, all the women who were there run away in a panic. The end. That's how it is. Remarkable. Um, so what are we preaching after that, though? What's happening? I mean, we've got something slated coming up, but I actually don't know what you're going to preach next Sunday. Well, yeah. So this On Sunday, July 17th. July 17th. So you yeah. got one Sunday. And then we do a series that we normally yep. do in the Psalms where... I kind of get a little bit of a reprieve. Mm-hmm. And we'll you, have four weeks in the Psalms. You'll preach two Psalms. Justin Grasmick will preach one and Mark will preach one. Yep. Um, but prior to that, I got a one standalone slot. And I thought, I don't want to preach the next series, like do an introduction, wait four weeks, and then jump in. So I kind of wanted to do a standalone, something that's really important to us. Mm-hmm. And I decided that I wanted to preach on 2 Timothy 
three to four, like that whole section where in chapter three, he's basically saying things are going to get worse. And he describes all the sins that are going to be increasing in the last days. And then he turns and says to Timothy, but you, however, have followed my life and my aim and my conduct. Uh, You were raised on the sacred scriptures, which are able to save your soul. And then he says in in chapter four, verses one and two, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's going to judge the living and the dead, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. And um, just I felt, you know, after a whole two and a half years of going through one book, that it would be neat to just kind of unpack some of the reason, uh, some of the reasons as to why we study like that, why we preach that way. It's because we have been commissioned to preach the word. Um, and so it's valuable to spend time digging deep into the scriptures. And so, yeah, we'll have a standalone on that. And then we'll hand Great. it over to you guys for the Psalms. Yep. Psalms 18. or I don't think it's 18. I think it's 19, 19 to 22. So, so Mark has Psalm 19. Heavens declare the glory of God. We're talking about this morning. Uh, you are next. Psalm 20. Psalm 20, a lesser known psalm. Yes. Psalm 21, also a lesser known psalm. And, and then Justin's Psalm 22. Psalm 22, which is basically the crucifixion of Christ as told from the Old Testament perspective. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, you, you got that one. Um, so that'll be great. One of the reasons we love doing the psalms is because it keeps us in a genre of scripture that's so important, a genre that helps us to process what's going on around us. It helps us learn how to lament. So many of the Psalms are lament, helps us learn how to praise, helps us learn how to grieve, um, helps us learn how to rejoice and pray. Ties together a lot of our Bible in a unique way. Yeah. The Psalms are uh, more canonical than we probably realize with the themes they pick up. What do you mean canonical? Like they like connect to the rest of scripture. They're quoted a lot, but but generally, they connect to the Old Testament and then New Testament in ways well, we probably are, don't realize. They are Old Testament. Yeah. But the rest of the Old Testament, you know, the right, the like David, when he writes Psalms, picks up on themes from the Old Testament. And if you're just reading them, you don't always see it. So we will have a they're, hugely, they're really helpful. Yeah. We'll have a hugely deficient emotional life and emotional spectrum if we don't have the Psalms. We won't know how to process life. Um, in the heart, in our hearts, if we don't have the Psalms. The Psalms have also been used throughout church history in churches as their worship. Yeah. That's like, a, that's there's still churches Psalms today that, spiritual chant, songs. that chant the Psalms. I, I'm not for chanting and reci- them, but and recite I'm for them. singing them. Oh, it's really not much different, but either way, it's, reciting, uh, reciting the word of God together yeah. through the Psalms. Chant like, blessed is the man who walks I actually in don't, the I actually don't know how it works. I was just God. listening to someone talk about it today, actually. Dr. Jim Hamilton. He was saying that people still do that. He yeah. wasn't saying you should chant them. It's an interesting practice. Nonetheless, uh, used throughout church history and the Old Testament as a mode of corporate worship. Yeah. So we should always be uh, thinking about them and studying them. I, I love regularly doing them in my family devotions or private devotions. We're actually in family devotions reading a, a children's book with the Psalms called Wonderful by Marty Machowski. Um, kids are enjoying that. So, yeah, so we'll do that. And that'll bring us to mid August. Mm -hmm. And then what you going to do? Well, 
Let me ask our listeners. When August comes for you. Let's do some some trivia. After a New Testament book, we like to preach A, the Apocrypha, B, topic, Write down your answers. Um, You're about to say topical. Pseudepigraphy. Is that what it's called? Or, or three, the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I snorted, but my, my face was away from the mic, so I hope it didn't pick it up. It's funny that you snorted when I said pseudepigraphy. Uh, yeah, that, that too. You thought I was being I funny. Think, I don't even know if that's the right. Eric, there's only one right answer here, and it's very obvious. The Old Testament. Yeah, so we go back and forth between Old and New Testaments. And um, after Mark, so what were we before Mark? Was it Jonah? Mm, this is... That's way back. Going that's, way back. That's end of 2019. And I think you're, I think it was I, Jonah. Yeah, you were in Jonah at some point in that realm, but you also did assurance at one point. You might have done that assurance was before though. Mark, was it? I think it was Jonah. So might we did Jonah, Jonah and then we did Mark. And you're, you're preaching through books. Sometimes you'll pause for, a, you know, you preached on assurance. You just preached on the cross in the middle of Mark. But generally, our, our meat and potatoes... 95% of the preaching that goes on here is going to be in something you're preaching through. Sequential Old exposition. Old, yeah, sequential exposition, Old Testament book or New Testament book. And you kind of alternate those so that the church sees the whole Bible. Yeah. So so will we be doing A, Genesis, B, I mean, I know these answers. Numbers, <laughs> C, Job, or D, Hosea? The correct answer is always C, Job. <laughs> Just Job circle is correct. C. Yeah, we're going to be doing Job. So I wonder how many of our listeners have read Job. Job is um, Job's a, one of the most ancient pieces of literature in the Bible. And if you just straight read through it, it's a bit confounding at times. Yeah. I remember when I read through it and I was really young, I was like, what's happening here? Who's speaking? Wait, is this the same person? <laughs> like, Wait, they're, they're, Bildad? they're telling Job Shuhite? he's wrong, but it doesn't seem like Job's wrong. Are they right? I remember just like processing it and not having, not really getting what was going on as a kid. Right. It's a challenge. Yeah. That middle section is, is pretty challenging and you could get bogged down in it. The way I would want to preach through it is. The um, main character in Job is the Leviathan. Is that correct? No, of course not. <laughs> it's the behemoth. Um, we're going to do a little bit overview where we'll do one and two, Job one and two, which is more narrative, focusing on that Job three through 37, I think is mainly dialogue, uh, Job back has forth, with his three, three friends. And then from, I think 38 to the end is God showing up and confronting, um, Job and asking him all the questions that's a powerful section and the whole thing is, is great. Um, but so the way I want to do it is one or two sermons at the beginning, uh, a sermon or two, probably just one overview of the, the dialogue, just kind of overviewing. What are they saying about Job? What is Job responding? How is Job responding? And then another uh, two or three sermons on the end, just reflecting on God's appearance, God's questioning, and what does that mean? How does God answer Job's question of suffering? Um, one one interesting thing that I didn't really anticipate going into it, I haven't totally um, dove in yet to the deep study since I'm still in Mark, but um, I picked up Christopher Ash's commentary on it. And the subtitle of the commentary on Job is The Wisdom of the Cross. I thought, interesting. And he ties um, the lessons of Job, how... God is working in ways we can't possibly understand 
higher and greater than us that are usually the opposite of what we would think are right and good. Sure. Um, Job shows us God's wisdom in that way, in the same way that God shows his wisdom in the cross. So the cross shows us that God's ways are different than ours. The cross shows us that up is down and humility leads to exaltation and sacrifices the way to glory and, um, and, and Job shows the same ideas. So I'm actually curious to kind of dive in to think a little more about that. But um, not surprising that God works as he works. Yeah. And that we would see it through woven throughout scripture. Right. The theme is going to be God there. is working the same way. Yeah. In a different context and scenario. He's unchanging. And so yeah. how he. Do you, do you think Job is more showing us who God is and how he acts or how to respond to suffering? I think who God is, is the answer to how we respond to suffering. So yes, but a little bit, (laughs) a little bit tilted toward the God side. Yeah. Because I love how Job in his confounding suffering, he finally does get an answer in, in that. in, In the answer is that God shows up, you know, comes to actually meet him and give him an answer, except the answer is not, here's why I put you through what I put you through, but do you know who I am? Do you know who made the earth? Do you know who makes the mountain birth or the mountain goat give birth? Do you know who has created the Leviathan? Do you, do you know who I am? And in one ways, he answers this question with a thousand other questions. Right. But in another sense, he answers the much deeper question is by, by saying, listen, I'm God and expanding and exploding, uh, expo- exploding first his small view of God and expanding his view of of God so that he has the capacity to rejoice in his suffering. Exploding and expanding. Could you call this the big bang and joke? <laughs> is that, no. that going to be your sermon title? Uh, you're very tickled by that joke. I, I am. I got a good, got a good kick out of my own humor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big bang. Yeah. So <clears throat> by the end of it, Job gets all his stuff restored, but that's not even the lesson either. Like, you know, trust God and yeah. after your suffering, because it's all that's not well. true. And we know that's not true. It's not true, but it is a way that shows God's ways are just not our ways. We don't know why he does what he does all the time, but the answer but he's is he's God. And we, what do we do? We humble ourselves and repent in dust and ashes for thinking we could possibly know better than he does. The, um, one of the like main phrases I took away from being in youth group in high school with Matthew Holbrook and Dan Martin uh, in Grace Orange was God is God and I am not. That's a good one. Sounds like a Stephen Curtis, Curtis Chapman song. In, Matthew Holbrook probably stole it. Yeah. Um. So after Job, yeah, you're, so you're going to do New Testament. I think I know what it is. If Christ doesn't return, that would be far better. I would love it if he did that. Yes. Wouldn't you love it if that just happened? Right. Now? No. Yeah, I would. I would love that. That'd be superior. That would. I think that's just the gardener. That yeah, that's that noise is just the gardener. Uh, so you're, after, you're, so you're preaching what I what in my estimation, because you turn to it and the way you talk about it, I think is one of your favorite books of scripture. My favorite book. It is your favorite. Is I didn't want to overstate it. It is. It is my favorite. Okay. That, that I mean, was all my, scriptures God breathed and all of it's useful for teaching and. This is a book and, that when when you talk about discipling people, you always go to it. Is my go-to. You can get everything from this book. You, every issue you'll face, you find here, deep theology, practical application, a breadth of issues, 
all there. So helpful for our church. It's brief, so you can get through it relatively quick, uh, profound, practical, all of the above. It's my favorite. Um, and it is the book of Ephesians. Love it. Six chapters. Um, and we'll spend some time just walking through it little by little. And chapters one to three, we'll learn some doctrine. We'll go deep in doctrine in chapters four through six. We'll start applying that doctrine to our lives. And just as Mark, the gospel of Mark, transformed us, so will the letter to the Ephesians. It will enhance and heighten our view of God, and it will equip us for life of faithful service to Him. Do you think there's any particular passage or section of Ephesians that will be the most challenging? Ooh, like challenging in what way? Generally. Like challenging you, you for get to interpret to accept, challenging to interpret itself. Like what's a challenging- G- give, me the, give me the ones that are coming to mind for different reasons. Um, yeah, it was a broad question because I was curious. Yeah, the money what's fronts. challenging, um, probably the most challenging interpretive part is at the beginning of chapter four, when he talks about Jesus, the, after he's ascended, he has descended in the lower parts of the earth. And what does that mean? That one's always confused me. But it's kind of low on those kind of interpretive challenges. There's a little bit of a challenge in cha- second part of chapter two in verses 11 to 23, where he's talking about Jews and Gentiles being united together. And then at the beginning of chapter three, the mystery um, that's been hidden for ages is now being revealed. I don't think it's that challenging. It just will take a little more. That's kind of a New Testament Pauline theme. Yeah. The mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Jews and Gentiles sharing the same um, union with Christ and then union with each other in the church. I'm excited for that whole section just as it will help build our understanding of fellowship in the church. Paul talks about the mystery in Colossians. Yep. Does he also talk about the mystery in First Timothy? Mystery of godliness? Uh, it's like I'm thinking when we were going through First Timothy yeah, I know. this past year, and um, I feel like we got the mystery at some point. Anyway, maybe we didn't. Um, maybe I'm all my brain is yeah. running together. Great indeed, we confess is the mystery, the mystery of, godliness. of godliness. Yeah, okay. Three six. I'm not crazy. You're not crazy. Although I think he's using mystery a little bit differently than the other ones. But yeah, it's Paul. Um, maybe. Yep. So that's Ephesians, and then that'll take us. Um, that'll definitely take us into 2023, and then I don't know what we'll do next. I am happy for input. I would ask that you pray for guidance to decide on those things. But uh, after Ephesians, we'd probably be going toward a Old Testament book again. Ephesians will take us at least through the end of the year, I'd assume. Yeah, I, I, I was saying it, it'd take us into 2023. Um, probably, Lord willing. Yeah, Lord willing, if we're still here. I think then we'll, uh, we'll be praying about an Old Testament book. I really would like to preach one in the Torah. One is something from the Pentateuch. Some nice long narrative. Yeah. I, I've not really done that, but it's so foundational for everything else. So you we'll got see. some easy options and some hard options. <laughs> and a part of me wants to take a, a harder one yeah. because the harder ones are the ones that people know less. So like we preach through Leviticus, let's say, I think it'll be really insightful and helpful for people. Yeah. Yeah, in I mean, a in a way that other books wouldn't be as much. Yeah, and Genesis has like, great things in it. Exodus has great things in it. But most Leviticus people have read Genesis and Exodus. Totally none. Yeah, they have. Um, Leviticus or is know where the reading know plans the stories, get the themes. But yeah, so much like blood sacrifice, Day of Atonement, yeah. expiation, all that happens in Leviticus. Holiness of God. 
I'd be a fan. Consequences of sin. You could do it. We could do it in relatively short period of time. Probably do it in 10, 15 weeks. <laughs> you look at me in unbelief. <laughs> it only took us two and a half years to get through Mark. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, church, please be praying for the preaching that happens at Grace Rancho. Uh, pray that Eric and others who preach would be able to study faithfully, that God would give clarity, that our congregation would gladly accept the word of God and that we'd be faithful to apply it. One last note. I have heard, I wasn't here for it, but I have, I have heard a lot of feedback from your sermon in Colossians about prayer, like enduring, like people remember that specific sermon still. I think even last Sunday, someone mentioned it to me. Interesting. Praise God for that. Yeah. Right. So well done preaching. That's what the word does. That's what the word does. We, we want to be faithful to preach it and the ripple effects of the word. They just little by little yeah. over Spirit time applies it to our lives in incremental ways. Incremental revival. The word revives the hearts of those mm. who receive it by faith. You know, it's interesting not to make it about me, but that sermon, I didn't actually think I'd end up preaching that sermon at any time. No, because I had minute. prepped it to preach when I needed to preach another sermon when you were still sick with COVID and Mark was, Mark chipped in for me when I was chipping in for you because I ended up getting sick. And I thought, oh, this is going to be on the back burner for a long time. And a couple months later, I preached it. There you go. Good job having a sermon in your back pocket. Yeah. All right. So um, I will be stepping out of the pulpit for about a month in a, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So I'm, I'm July 24th, to August 14th. I am looking forward to just being blessed by our, our guys preaching. Two of those Sundays, we will be gone. We'll be on yep. vacation. But two, but two of those Sundays, we will just enjoy participation and listening to the word. And I'm looking forward to that. Love it. We'll see you next time.